This episode of Keeping It Real is brought to you by GoGo's Bootcamp. Are you a real estate agent looking for the best social media training program on the planet? GoGo Bethke is considered the top Instagram realtor in the country, and her step-by-step training program will take your social media game to the next level. She's so confident there's a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose. Keeping It Real listeners receive a special discount, so please visit gogopodcast.com. That's G-O-G-O podcast.com for your special discount. And now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of Keeping It Real, the largest podcast made by real estate agents and for real estate agents. My name is DJ Paris. I am your guide and host through the show. And in just a moment, we're going to be speaking with a true Chicago legend, Deborah Dobbs. But before we get to Deborah, I want to remind everyone to help our podcast by doing just a few quick things. Number one, support our sponsors. At the beginning of every episode, we have a little commercial. Please consider checking out that product or service we only handpick from vendors that we know can help you grow your business. Second, tell a friend. Think of one other agent that could benefit from hearing from top producers and send them a link to our podcast. You can just send them right over to keepingitrealpod.com and they can listen to every episode we've ever done or just have them pull up a podcast app on their phone and search for Keeping It Real. We'll show right up. We always want to thank everyone for continuing to listen and support our show. And now, on to our interview with Deborah Dobbs. on the show we have Deborah Dobbs from the Dobbs group with at properties here in Chicago Illinois let me tell you a little bit about Deborah now Deborah's vast experience in real estate combined with her deep knowledge of Chicago's neighborhoods make her an invaluable partner in buying or selling a home in Chicago and that's just how Deborah views her relationships with clients as true partnerships Deborah strives to build relationships with her clients based on trust integrity and confidence taking time to truly understand their needs and wants she's a partner and helping them achieve their dream home. Now, she draws upon her knowledge, experience, and instinct to help guide clients through the business complexities and emotional aspects of the home buying and selling process. Side note, Deborah just helped me with uh, with a question I had about a property I'm putting uh, or that I'm looking to buy. Uh, but Back to Deborah. Uh, whether it be negotiating contracts, reviewing lengthy inspection reports, working with attorneys, or providing strategic staging and design ideas. Throughout the process, Deborah remains a passionate advocate for her clients, ensuring their satisfaction every step of the way. Deborah's network is vast, and she shares her resources with friends, clients, and other agents. She recently released her Little Black Book, a comprehensive 80-page guide to all things local services, vendors, restaurants, shops, and more. We'll also make that Little Black Book available to all of our listeners so you can see what she put together for her clients. Now, Deborah is accustomed to wearing several hats and not just in the real estate world. She has been a play producer, a home builder. She opened Chicago's first gelateria and is mom to 23-year-old Catherine, who is also on the Dobbs team. Uh, Deborah, Catherine, and their two dogs live in Lincoln Park in a home Deborah got renovated 14 years ago. Now, she's been a realtor for 37 years, is a top, top, top producer here in Chicago, 
please visit her at debradobs.com. That's D-E-B-R-A-D-O-B-B-S.com. All of her social links are there as well. She's got an awesome website. Uh, Deborah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And for that Thank you. We. That was an awesome, um, uh, you've done so much and it's really impressive. Um, and I certainly wish I would have known you back when you opened up the, the gelato place. Well, then um, you will be happy to know that with my daughter's help, we have a little new tabletop gelato machine. We made our first batch of gelato a few weeks ago. We nice. Lovely brown cartons with, we're getting the labels printed and we are looking to source a small used professional quality gelato machine. So wow. that I can, as a hobby, we can make gelato while we're dealing with real estate. And I love that. Become the clients and friends become the beneficiary of our the spoils. <laughs> of our well, that's awesome. Um, well, so you've been in real estate now for for th- almost four decades, which is absolutely incredible. Um, can you? you say it that way. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, look, you, you have an amazing reputation here in the Chicagoland area. Everybody knows you. Um, you've built up this incredible business and team, um, but I'd love to start all the way at the beginning. Can you tell our, our viewers and our listeners sort of how you got into real estate? Well, I got into real estate when my partner in the gelateria moved back to California and the landlord, who's still a landlord on Clark Street, I was located at Clark and Arlington. Um, sure. So he- remain nameless. He said, I am so not letting a 23 year old girl sell something that I can't pronounce in a city that probably eats ice cream three months out of the year. So no, your partner who was like the financial guy, um, if he's gone, you know, like I'm not going to continue the business. So I had to leave, I had to give up my gelateria. I sold bocce and one of my customers finally said to me, get over your pity party, you get a week. And then <laughs> my friends, get your shit together. And if you don't know what you want to do, go get your real estate license and come and work for me. And the rest is history. Um, his name was Michael Pickering. He has long since passed away. But Michael and a group of investors were working on the very first loft conversion in the West Loop in wow. 19. 19- 84. Oh my gosh. Um, the building was, is, is still there. I've sold in both buildings since then. 411 South Sangamon and 913 West Van Buren. I worked for the developer that did those first loft conversions. I also worked on 1000 West Washington. I worked on 110 North Peoria. I lived in the building that used to be this flying food company with Sue Jin, if anyone yeah. remembers her name. And it is now the home to whatever, some fancy restaurant across from Soho House. Um, yeah, West Loop was very different back when I started in real estate. It's, it's incredible. I was just there in the West Loop over the weekend eating a brunch with my girlfriend at um, Cabra, which is a Peruvian place on top of the, uh, uh, forgot the name of the hotel, but, um, but it is, uh, West Loop is amazing. So yeah, it's a Stephanie uh, Izzard restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's amazing. And it's great. It's, it's, I don't know. It was really fun when I was there. There were drug dealers and hookers and wine guys drinking, you know, Mad Dog 2020 out of bottles sure. that were with brown paper bags. And I was young, so I would stay out late and party and I'd walk, get home and walk through the market and the guys were setting up at three and four in the morning, you know, the fish market, the flower vendors, the vegetables. Sure. It was, it was so different. Yeah. 
Well, tell us, you know, you've seen obviously lots of agents come and go, some successful, some who struggle, some who leave the industry altogether. Um, And you have this wealth of experience and knowledge. You've built up a team as well. So, you know, you know, the characteristics of what makes a broker successful um, and, and, you know, other brokers that that really aren't going to achieve that level of success. Um, You know, I'm just curious on what you've seen work for agents, especially in in today's day and age. Um, What are you seeing that's working for people who are new or who are looking just to maybe get to that next level? So before we started live, you said something that another agent said to you, and I could not agree more. It starts with pick up the phone. It starts with learn from other agents. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Offer to do, I mean, I was able to grow my business by asking everyone I knew. This was after I left working for development and went into, you know, traditional brokerage resale. And like, what can I do to help? What do you need? What are you working on? I mean, I was probably like, you know, an annoying fly buzzing around, you know, and I was, these were the Joyans, like the, the Belliard Gordon partners and yeah. like the, the, the people that started the successful real estate business, resale business in Chicago. And I just made myself known and I made myself known as someone that is dependable, someone who has an t- absolute level sense of integrity and the client's best interests always come first. And then what can I do to help? How can I be there for you? You know, there's a little bit of a people-pleasing component to that. Sure. But, but it's also, it has to be authentic and passion. But it starts with picking up the phone. And I cannot tell you how many pieces of business I have picked up just since January from people that have found me online and I answered the phone, including an agent, a woman from Arkansas who works for Caldwell Banker. I won't say her name because she said, you cannot tell anyone that I sent this girl to you because I'm supposed to refer to Caldwell Banker. Right. And I didn't even find anyone that would get back to me. So I went back online and you're, I, she would do all this search engine optimization, you know, keyword yeah. search. She said, your name came up on the first page on five different searches. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm calling her. Yeah. And yeah. I it's the phone. By the way, it's 7.30 at night or 8.30 at night. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it seems to be a common refrain from most of the people we've, we've uh, interviewed on the show over the years has been, you know, your customer service has to be absolutely top notch. And, um, and, and again, it's, it's also, you know, something I think agents, you know, get paid very handsomely for picking oh. up the phone. It is absolutely worth it. I, so I, I visit, so I'm very into Chicago neighborhoods. Like I have a, sure. I have a, domain registered. I have a blog about called the Chicago 77. So Chicago's made up of 77 neighborhoods. I grew up in South Deering, which is the furthest South neighborhood before you leave the city limits. Right. My, uh, by the way, I have visited 44 or 48, somewhere around there. I try to make it a point to once a month, once every two months to get out and visit a Chicago neighborhood that's oh, wow. not in my little... Sure. And... So I grew up on the south side of Chicago. My father was a machinist. My mother mm-hmm. bagged groceries and sliced bologna at the cor- corner store. Mm-hmm. I babysat starting at the age of 10, 11. You know, still a really great life and plenty of people had things worse. But I worked really hard to get to the point that, to where I am. 
and not a day goes by every morning, even in the craziness of what's going on right now. I wake up every morning happy, grateful, mm-hmm. yeah, feeling fortunate and excited and passionate about how lucky I am to love what I do so much so that it intersects and weaves into you know, who I am as a person in my personal life. And I don't like, I don't think a lot of people get that option. So, and yes, we get paid extremely handsomely. So we better work our butts off. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's really well said. And I know too that that you you we were uh, before we we had Deborah on, we were sort of thinking about what topics we wanted to cover. And this is a really interesting one that you had come up with, and I'm so glad you did because I don't think we've actually touched on it much over the years on all the episodes we've done. But this idea that as real estate professionals, what we think a client actually needs from, you know, with respect to the, the handholding of the buying or selling process versus to what they actually need um, and maybe the disconnect between those two things, what we think an age, uh, a client needs and, and what they actually need. So I think that comes to reading people and I think yeah. that it comes to really reading people and taking yourself out of the equation. And this may not be the most flattering comment for, but, but I, I think I exhibit this quality. Let's see. Uh, oh, there you are. Now you're back. Okay. All right. Sorry about that. Um, no problem. So I would call it a Zelig light straight, a, a Zelig like trait. So you sure. the ability to, but, but in a positive way, and maybe it's at some level of empathy and, and compassion rolled into one, but Every day, sometimes five and six and seven, whatever times a day, multiple times a day, the ability to put yourself into the shoes of the person on the other side of the equation, and it's not always your client. It might be your client. It could be the other, your client's attorney. It could be the other agent. Understanding what the seller is going through, that is all so important. We are still working toward what is in the best interest of the client. And ultimately, if the client says, look, I know you're advising me of X and I appreciate that, but I want to do Y, then of course, that's what we do, whether we agree with that or not. Sure. The ability ability for your client to understand that when you advise them, you absolutely care about what is most important and what works best for them, as opposed to the deal, which is very... Yeah, it's it's it was you just reminded me of an article I saw yesterday yesterday or over the weekend that said and and as real estate professionals, everyone listening already knows this, but I I'm really a marketing guy. I'm not a real estate professional, not really. Um, so I'm more of the on the consumer side. So anyway, this article I saw, which again, everyone on this call is gonna say, Yeah, duh, we all know that. But we know that mortgage rates are at an incredible, they're like the lowest in recorded history right now, or certainly right at the lowest in yeah, 50 years. Yep. Yeah. And, and, you know, and many rates are under 3%. I, I, the article I saw wasn't about that because I already knew that, but it said most people are actually eligible for a refinance, most homeowners. And I went, well, that's really interesting. Now, as somebody who prior to being in this industry um, was just a marketing guy in, in, in the IT world, 
uh, I never knew when it was a good time to refinance. And I, and I was just thinking about what you said and I thought, what a great opportunity right now for agents that are maybe in between sales that have some extra time um, to pick up the phone and call everybody you know who owns a home and provide some value, which is really what you just said. And like, what a great opportunity to say, you know, I bet a lot of people don't know that it's a great time to consider a refinance or if they're renting, great time to purchase, rates are cheap. And what a great opportunity to just do some outreach. Oh my gosh, now you are so speaking my language. So yeah. we pride ourselves on, so for example, for a, for a buyer, I think the checklist is 120 items for a seller, it's about 135 or 140. So we use a, a, a CRM, client relationship management program. We track, I mean, I put in the names and ages of the kids once I get to know people or their yes. dog, do they like wine or what, township do they live in? So for refinance, I'll come back to. So this is a big one that I think is a huge value add to my clients. And I, hundreds of my clients have taken advantage of this. I have my brother, who's a mortgage broker um, that I work with a lot. Um, we have a family friend named Matt Panish. Matt Panish is amazing. He has saved cumulatively, like, I can't even tell you how much money just by filing appeals on behalf of clients. Yes. To yes. value. But he takes it a step further. He called me years ago. He said, Deborah, do you know how many of your clients, when you send them to me and I look into like their tax situation, they're not claiming a homeowner exemption? I said, well, that's oh. how can that be? Because at the closing, I say to them, now, remember every year, you, know, you used to have to fill the card out first of January. Yeah. Make sure you claim because you get somewhere between four and seven hundred dollars you know, um, uh, off your taxes. Well, people forget. So two things came out of that. One, Matt, I gave, I gave Matt a list of all of my clients and with their permission, he contacted them. And you can go back five years to claim a refund. I have one of my best friends, he got her $6,000 back because she was not, she hadn't claimed a, a homeowner exemption for so long. But now what we do is we go by township. So every person that I work with their township gets entered in our CRM. And when their township is coming up for final appeal, final board of review status, appeals open, we send a targeted note. I don't like spamming people with a ton of email, but we send. Yeah. Oh. Stable, should I keep talking? Unstable. Oh, there you are. No, you're, you're back. You're back. So there is a crane being taken down at the corner of Halstead and between North Avenue and Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to send it. I, I would like to let all the people that li live in Lincoln Park near that area know what's happening because it's a, it's a mess for traffic. Yeah. And my whole sphere, like, and this is what I, this is a huge mistake I think agents make. We, we are very proud of the fact that we have a very low unsubscribe rate. We very, we really try to target market. In fact, probably to the point that I'm not in touch with, with people, maybe even as often as I should be from an, you know, just what we're selling and, and that sort of thing. But I am able to have someone go into my sphere and say, okay, everyone in 60614, and then we just send a little note saying, wanted you to know that the next few days at this intersection is you know, going to be a hot mess. So yeah. find another route. And we kind of made it funny. I had more responses back from that going, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Right. Yeah. But those yeah, it's 
it's consistently adding value. And, and that is um, the, the hallmark of really just about everyone we've ever interviewed is they think about creative ways to continually add value even after the sale, before a sale, um, you know, just to, to let, you know, the clients know. And I was thinking about this a lot. I've, I've told the story a bit. I'll, I'll keep it very short. But when, when we were really at this during the stay at home, um, uh, you know, era of earlier this year where we weren't really allowed to leave, um, very few people reached out to me just to see how I was doing other than friends and family, which is great, but like really professional service people, very few of them reached out. And so I, I think there's always so much opportunity, but yet like Deborah, what you were saying is you have to have the data. You have to know things about your clients, where they live, what their family situations, like what their job situations, like, uh, important dates, like anniversaries, home buying anniversaries, home selling anniversaries, marriage anniversaries, everything. So, and, and, and that is so critical. And it's this, it's this combination of, of the IQ versus EQ. I don't know how it's, yeah. Like, yeah, we have all the data, but if all you have is data and then you're perfunctory and you, there's an algorithm and there's a plan, okay, I could set up my system like that. And I could sure. have, I, you know, I could eliminate probably two, two support staff people doing this where it's just automated. Everything goes out right to everyone. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and we, we chose very early on, you know, five, seven, eight years ago, when we settled on Zoho for Sierra, and we chose very early on to say, no, we, I mean, we take a lot of time to make sure that we can, it, it is called target marketing, but it's target marketing with, you know, sort of a sense of purpose and a sense of heart, I guess. So, for example, seven years ago, I love, this is one of my favorite stories, by the way, so bear with me. Seven sure, or seven sure. years ago, I'm a night owl, so I tend to work, like I work all day, and then I decompress for about an hour or two, usually by watching things like the original Hawaii Five-O or Manix. <laughs> Manix, oh my gosh. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I even have a Colombo raincoat, that's how much I love Colombo. Wow. And then I get on my, I you know, then I kind of get a second wind. So often like 11 to one in the morning is a sweet spot for me for work. And I noticed that, so on my website, whenever someone goes to my website, I get pinged and I can watch like where the pages that they're going. Yeah. And I yeah. never, it's rare that I ever say to someone, oh, by the way, can I help you? I see you're on my website. But it was five, six, eight nights in a row. I saw the same person. So I said, hey, I don't want you to think I'm stalking you, but I see you're on the website. You're a night owl like me and you're always noodling around. If there's ever anything I can help you with, great. And if not, just enjoy and, you know, nice to see you in the wee hours of the morning. And about a week later, this woman reaches out to me and kind of laughing and says, yeah, you know, love your website. And, and you know, we're, we're thinking about buying. A month later, I get a phone call from this woman, Erin, and she says, okay, my husband and I are ready to buy. We want to start looking. And as it turns out, she was a double fellow at Northwestern. Okay. Bought, bought, sold, bought, referred. I now have 18 doctor client you know, couples from Northwestern. And they're now moving to Colorado. So I have their place on the market. So that, so I always have a Northwestern people part. I call it my Northwestern peeps. So every year yeah. I have with them or I have them over to my house. I do a lot of entertaining at home, which I love. Um, but when COVID came, these are all doctors. They are all yeah. on the front lines. So I sent a back, I mean, it's nothing. Like I'm embarrassed even bringing this up, 
because what they're doing is so like overwhelming. But I just wanted them to know that I was thinking about them, not in terms of real estate, but like recognizing and from our whole group that, you know, what they're doing. So we sent flowers to everyone just saying, like thinking about you on the front lines and hoping sure. like, oh, I'm going to tear up, I'll cry just because I was yeah. worried about them. Sure. So, Anyway, I'm not even sure. Yeah, you will. It's demonstrating care and compassion and empathy. And, and you've, you've said all of those things. And also to be able to effectively do that in a way that's, that's you know, sort of a, a, a disciplined approach to, to care, I guess, where it's like, every, you know, I mean, we think back to, to the woman who, who was the, the, you know, visiting your website. You know, we, we know the statistics are, are, are likely that she was visiting other people's websites too. But how many of those agents, you know, number one, have the technology set up to know when someone's on their website and to be able to interact with them in, in real time. Um, but then number two, to actually do it, right? So, you know, the technology is available for everyone, but then it's like, okay, so am I actually going to take that step? And, and how am I going to interact with people and demonstrate that I'm willing to go and do maybe uh, more than, than another agent that they might be considering? And, and this is great advice for, for new agents, which is, and not everything should be about, okay, if I do this, what will my reward be? Sure. If I spend a dollar, will I get a dollar back? Mm -hmm. it's, it doesn't work that way. If it's very much the, you know, if I build it, will they come is not the question. It's, I will build it and, you know, hopefully they'll come. It, there's not, there isn't a guarantee. And I think people, I, I also think that people, customers, clients recognize when there's authenticity. Yes. As opposed to, okay, my goal is that this year I'm going to do 32 or 47 or 12 or 85 deals. And there are, right. age, and I'm not saying they're wrong, but everyone has to do what works for them. But if you're not the kind of agent that is thinking about the deal, like, okay, I want this deal, now I'm on the next one, now I'm on the next one. And it's much more about I'm taking a very long, you know, I'm taking the yeah. long. I have a client, I have a client that we were actually supposed to have dinner right before COVID or right after COVID, so we had to cancel. Um, Valare downtown, he was my client for the first time in 1986. I have oh another gosh. client that is still and now married and I went to their wedding and, and I handled multiple transactions for them and they are dear friends of mine. And he was my client for the first time in 1988. Wow. I mean, I think that's a pretty, like that speaks volumes, I think about, you know, just the working relationship that morphs into this. That's the other thing about real estate. It, it can morph into this sort of personal and, and I think it takes a certain type of person to, understand how to navigate those two worlds that gets back to the iq eq business personal i think it, i know that it can be done and i'm not i i believe that i'm a good example of this i know multiple agents i mean i feel so fortunate to work with some really really wonderful wonderful agents and, and you also work at a firm that is extremely supportive and also in line with those values. Um, you know, you work at App Properties for people outside of Chicagoland, you probably don't know App Properties, but here in Chicago, they're the largest real estate company um, because, and their slogan is real simple. It's one word, love, right? Which, which is, is such a great, great uh, corporate slogan. 
So I know Michael and Thad, Mike, I have to call him Mike. He doesn't like Michael. I'm a full name kind of gal, but (laughs) Thad and Mike, I still remember showing houses with them in Bucktown in 19, so 99, 2000. I had just moved with my daughter and our two dogs to a house at 2019 North Wolcott. Mike and Thad had the listing for a house next door. And I ran into Thad out front and you know he was all a little bit stressed and, and like moving a mile a minute, which he's prone to do. And, but we had a nice chat and we talked about the house and he was waiting for Mike because his headphones on his phone weren't working or no, no, it was either the headphones or the battery charger. And he was make, waiting for Mike, his partner to run over with a spare. And I, it's so, they just had such a tight relationship and they were, I, I think that their background as agents, like in the trenches with all of us and dealing with the, you know, the deals falling apart. Where's my next commission check coming from down market, up market. Remember this is right before 2003, which was a really sure. market. Um, and then they went out on their own and their age, their owners of a big company that is getting bigger by the, the minute, which I think yeah. is one of my questions that I post, you know, with my little notes back to you, but they know what it's like to be an agent in the trenches. And I really believe that the decisions that they make at a corporate level are always colored by their early years as agents, which is as it should be. I mean, we are so hyper customer service oriented and always looking for what is going to best work for the client ultimately. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. I mean, this, this is a customer service job and you're dealing with someone's one of their most intimate decisions they have to make um, and, and, and then make again and again, depending on how often they, they, they move. And um, it is, uh, it is a very, it's a very emotional decision, of course. And I'm going through it right now personally, where even I'm in the business and I'm way too emotionally oh involved. Gosh. I, there are so like, I do sorry. That's okay. <laughs> that they, they were, they were applauding. They were applauding. <laughs> Your excitement. Yeah. yeah. Catherine, would you let them out? Um, So it's a family affair, by the way, and then I'll go back to. Um, oh wait, but now I'm like, what was I going to start talking about? We, we were, I was talking about how I was even getting emotional about buying the, yeah. Yes. So I have, you know, litigation attorneys, surgeons, um, the heads of, of hedge, you know, they run hedge funds and private yeah. equity firms. And these are, I've got some tough clients. Oh, I wouldn't say tough, uber smart, very like, you know, don't suffer fools. So, you know, I, I have my bullet points when I'm on a call with like, I've got my data, I've got my facts. I keep it short. I keep it sweet. Yeah. Um, Again, that's understanding your client. Yeah. Reading the customer and understanding that that's how you have to talk to them versus Mm -hmm. you might have the wife or another client or the husband who wants us, you know, a more warm and fuzzy approach. But I also have these clients that in a business negotiation are uber tough and, you know, black and white. And then when it comes to real estate, they turn to mush yeah. and become extremely emotional. There is something about, sure. and I think it's just a primal instinct about heart sure. and home and where the heart 
belongs and family and love. You can't read it. You just have to feel it. Well, I, I think that's right. And I think that's a good reminder for all of our listeners to think about, you know, this, uh, the home buying and selling process is incredibly emotional for most people. And to then just, but you have to learn what your clients, uh, you know, what their personality type is and what they need and what they don't need. And, and you have to be able to read that and take notes and then remember that after the sale and remember it during the sale and, and just, you know, some, some clients probably don't want to be talked to all that often and others want to be talked to all the time. Um, of course, everyone's different and understanding those needs is probably what separates, you know, great, a good agent from a great agent is my guess. Yes, it is. And sometimes the client may not know what it is they want. What if it's the first time they've gone through this or what if someone hasn't gone through this for a long time or what if it's a milestone event, whether it's um, a happy one like getting married or having a baby so you need more space or it's a sad event. I mean, certainly right now we're seeing, you know, a greater percentage of, of move movement that is not always based on something that would be a happy, you know, yeah. a, a happy impetus for the, the, the person buying or selling. Um, and that's important also to understand, understand the motivation behind the decision and the emotions that are tied to that decision and yeah. acting accordingly it's you know very layers of various layers you know layers of the onion shades of gray whatever the right you know metaphor i guess well, I, th I think what we're demonstrating here and, and, and what you're demonstrating in this, in this conversation is, is, again, compassion, empathy, um, and, and also detail, knowing this stuff, um, and, and obviously recognizing it, understanding it, but then making sure that you have this information so that you can continually meet their needs. Um, and I think what a great lesson for, for realtors is, is you know, that being so important. Obviously, also knowing your stuff, as, as you've said as well, is understanding the, the market and understanding inventory and being able to guide clients. I asked you a question about a place I was looking for. You gave me great advice as, as well. So you obviously have the knowledge, but knowledge alone really isn't everything. Um, and a lot of the knowledge now clients can find on their own. A lot of this stuff is available, but the emotional oh. side of it is, is what they can't really get anywhere else. Well, so you bring up a, two, two points that you, you touched on a little bit earlier, you know, sort of People can get, any one of us can go online and find whatever listings are available within a certain price range and demographic. But the nuances of understanding, one, how does the property at 123 Main Street differ from the property two blocks away? Right. And they are either, they could be the same price or different prices, but two blocks, even in Chicago, you can be next to a train, you can be next, you could back up to a part of Halstead that is wonderful and residential, or you could back up to a part of Halstead where at five or six or seven in the morning, you're going to hear trash cans. Right. And that is what you will wake up to every morning. There's no way to know that from paper. And I'm sorry, I, I, to, I, again, I, I don't like to say anything negative about someone else, but there are people in our, there are brokerage firms in our profession that have taken a, a stance on a business model that says the broker isn't really, the agent really doesn't bring a value add. So 
We're going right. to take that, you know, we can give you a huge discount on commission because really you just need Vanna White. You need someone to just show up and have right. a show. Open and up a door. Yeah. Open up a door. And then we've got this algorithm with this transaction management program that will never miss a beat. Well, I can tell you from experience that anything that is based on an algorithm, a transaction, like in real estate anyway, where, you know, earnest money is due two business days after attorney review is concluded. Well, attorney review is supposed to be five business days. Then the attorneys agree to extend it indefinitely until they come to a mutual meeting of the mind. So the algorithm, you know, the, the program is not making sure, oh, next day, next day, next day. Sure, Blasting you, oh, your earnest money is overdue, or this is overdue, or the closing date gets changed. So that takes the human person to massage that and also to keep the deal together. Why is everything getting extended? If you just put the contract together and then move on and say, okay, I'm on to the next deal, that's where deals fall apart. In this market, appraisals. I am shocked at how many agents don't show up at the appraisal. Oh, or the I know. For that matter. I mean, I've had clients say, why are you coming to my inspection? <laughs> or why are you going to the closing? Um, why do you go to the appraisal? You go to the appraisal because right now we are in a tough financing market. Even though interest rates are really low, deals are falling apart. I've heard more and more agents, they're calling me saying, oh my gosh, are you seeing an appraisal issue? I mean, I love, I feel so honored that I get called by veterans and newbies, everyone in between. One, because I'm known to be an agent that is helpful. And I think that's very important, as are a number of my brethren. You know, they're yeah. terrific. We, I had a phone call tonight, this morning with two of my favorite agents coming up with, with what I think is a really good marketing idea. Um, but it's, why are appraisals all screwed up now? I mean, deals are not closing or they're closing at prices that are being reduced from the contract price because of appraisals. It's not always because the prop... I would say in many cases, it's an improper appraisal because the agent isn't even showing up. They're giving the appraiser right. access, no comps, no context, no list of the improvements made, no explanations like, oh yeah, that property that's two blocks away is next to, I don't know, like a garbage can or- Right, right. But this is where, this is just where, this is getting back to old fashioned, like you have to be able to manage the old-fashioned, touchy-feely, writing the personal notes, um, making the phone call, answering your phone with the back-end, you know, what I would call the back-end office operations. And it's sort of like a duck. If you're doing it right, it looks like you're just sailing across the water and no one right. knows. You're frantically, like, this is the system underneath, making sure everything's taken care of. Yeah, it's a lot of late night phone calls. It's a lot of late night emails. I mean, we. this is funny. So how I met Deborah was because one of our agents had a referral or something and it worked maybe with someone on your team. I don't know if it was you personally. And then there was- I handled every intimate- yeah, so I so I didn't know anything about it, and they said, "Well, the we're you know there was a thing that we needed to resolve, no big deal." And and so Deborah is a very busy, important person, and this was something that was already done, and she was I'm sure onto her next seventeen other transactions. And yet I said, "Oh, you know, we had this thing. Can you look into it?" Immediately got an email back. She doesn't owe that to me. She could have had someone else on the team do that. 
And, you know, it really was a no big deal situation anyway, but it was something that, that I emailed her and then back and forth, she was just available. And, and that is such an amazing, refreshing thing. And you would think as, and I'm sure you, you've been in the business long enough to know that not everyone is wired that way. However, it's amazing to me that everyone's not wired that way because of course that is the job. Right. But when your job is to, no. And again, this is everyone has to work with within the context of what they are most comfortable with and what they believe sure. is for them. And there's the idea of just be a listing machine. And yeah. if you, you know, constantly have 50, 75, 100 listings, they'll sell. And if you lose, you know, it's sort of like, okay, I know agents I think are great and, and I like working with, but their philosophy is, okay, as long as I have an inventory of X and my loss factor is only 30%, then right. I'm okay. I would be more like if my loss factor, meaning the number of yeah. buyers and sellers that I lose, I mean, if I lose one deal, I'm like, what did I do wrong? What did I do right. wrong? Sure. So to think about as, oh, well, I can have a loss factor of 30% and I'm okay. It's just a different philosophy, which is fine. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I do think it's really important for the consumer to understand the difference so that when they throw their, you know, their hat in the ring, whatever, when they make that selection to work with someone, do they understand what the totality of what they're getting into? I mean, I can't tell you how many people I meet at open houses and say, because and I know it sounds crazy. Like I have other agents say to me, you really, you sit open houses. I love sitting open houses and I love visiting open houses. You learn so much. Yeah. I mean, the goal should be, if you're not learning at least three or, new th three or four new things about your market and the people within your market every day, you're doing something wrong. And I say that too. And believe me, when you say we're a team or a group, we're really tiny, 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 tiny. Um, not a lot of people. But it amazes me that people aren't like, learning more about like how that process works, going and visiting other properties, working with other, visiting other agents saying, how many, like, oh, my open house sucked wind. Like I didn't have anyone. I'm so stressed as opposed to, oh, like I'm so busy. I have a million deals. Everything's hunky-dory. Right, right. Um, yeah. So I also, I would love to hear that you, you had, um, you have a story about breast milk. Would you mind sharing? <laughs> this is a great story. I love this story. Love this story. And oh gosh. So, and these, the family, I mean, they're like, I talked to the Allison, who's the, the mom. I talked to her multiple times a week and we're always, we're, our, you know, go-to people. So I, one of my very tough clients that I love and adore, but he is a, he owns a huge private equity firm in Chicago. And um, he called me one day and said, I've got a referral for you. The husband's, uh, you'll, you'll totally get along with the husband. The wife I hear is tough. And she is like a professor of basically negotiating strategy at Duke or you know, University of right. North Carolina. Yeah. And then he hangs up, which is totally John that like, that's what he would do. Boom. Okay. And then, <laughs> You know, the husband, Alex, reaches out to me. And my first two encounters were with Alex, the husband. And then I'm going to have the big outing, which is going to be with um, Alex and his wife, Allison. And I am, all I can think of is, like, if John says she's tough, oh, my gosh, I'm quaking in my <laughs> So I'm researching, making sure I know every, like, last detail and whatever. And within 
like 15 minutes we're in the car together like we're like this so yeah. and she was she wasn't tough she was extremely talented and very good at what she does professionally and so long story short we buy a house it's a new construction house by a builder that used to be i think considered one of the top premier probably top three builders in certainly in lincoln park um that has since changed unfortunately so we buy this house and they move they're coming up from north carolina they've allison's now had their third kid and she's breastfeeding and she's all this breast milk that she's pumped they come into the hotel the freezer refrigerator it's a mess doesn't work they the hotel won't store their breast milk the husband calls oh because it's a like a sanitary thing or a yeah. or a liability yeah. thing yeah. yeah yeah sanitary thing so they you know so they can't mix it into the kitchen you know where they have right. all the freezers <laughs> right i get the call from alex what do we do what do we do i'm like yeah i can be there in 10 minutes 15 minutes so i used to have two vespas i don't know long story so, or scooters, Vespa type scooters. So I race over, I've got it on my helmet and I'm like zipping because I can get there much faster than if I, you know, got in the car. Sure. And Alex is waiting outside with these two bags and he dumps one in the hatchback, one I've got between my legs and I take off. <laughs> and then I store their breast milk for the next week or 10 days. And they'd either come here and get some or I drop some off for them. And then they moved into their beautiful house right around the corner from me. And the rest is history. She's one of my best friends. They are, you know, my best friends. It's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, what a what a what a what a lovely story. And again, it's it's funny because it's breast milk, but it's it is it a really important thing for for new mothers to obviously not have that go to waste after spending all that time pumping it and and getting it ready for the move. Absolutely. But what I love, and I think, you know, there are people that will say, "Well, that's great customer service." But yeah. what I, my takeaway from that is here is a couple that really didn't know me all that long. Yeah. Had a lot going on. And, you know, the primary aspect of the relationship was professional and they felt comfortable enough with me yeah. that of all the go-to people, they called to not worry, you know, like, Hey, we've got some breast milk. Can you help us? Which to me is, I don't know. In, in, in a way, in a way, it's sort of almost flattering that they asked you to help them solve this problem because it, 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 it really shows intimacy and trust and yes. just, and, and also that, that they're incredibly successful people in their own right, but they still have human problems like everyone and that you're able to solve that human problem. You become uh, invaluable to people when you do things like that. When you just show up and go, yeah, no problem. I'll come pick it up. Easy. And, and it is easy. It's actually easy to do that. It's hard to do a lot of other things, but that's one of those things that when you go above and beyond and you do the, the non-traditional stuff that, that really helps people, they're never going to leave you. They're always going to be, well, now they're your friends, but they, you know, that's, that's a friend for life. It is. And I, you know, there are plenty of clients that I don't have that intimate or close of relationship with, but it, I mean, this leads to, I mean, Deborah's little black book, which we're yeah. now yeah. just now developing version three. Developing this is always fun because it means we get to investigate and look for like new shops and restaurants. As you can imagine, coming out with the version now is tough because of what's sure. happening, you know, in the world. Um, we're coming out with version three, but Deborah's little black book came about because we would get, we, me, Catherine, Lucy, um, team would get, I don't know, 
five to 15, I can't even quantify, calls or email a week. Do you have, I, you know, we need an electrician, a plumber, like all the, where, where, where can I get my wedding dress altered? Where, um, do you have a really great florist? Um, my parents are coming into town and I want a place to take them for dinner that isn't like too trendy where they'd be uncomfortable. Sure. I, like, where, do you know if there's a drive-in theater near Chicago? Like, I, like some of the, do you have a pool, a person to clean a pool? So Deborah's Little Black Book is the, the sort of the brainchild, you know, came about because, all right, well, let's put all this stuff in a book and make it really fun. So we've got really like super cool photography and kind of tongue-in-cheek comments. And then the first part is all the favorite plate. These are a few of our favorite things and it's all like the team's favorite places to go. And then sure, we have sure. our top real estate resources. But that came about and then we give that to our clients. And by the way, I would say 40% of my clients' friends that get the book still call me or reach out and say, hey, can where's you the book? Yeah. And I don't say, well, just go to Jefferson. I'm like, oh, yeah. of course, let me say. Yeah. Sure. I love it. And, and that's, but again, that goes back to this adding value. It's consistently adding value. And now you're on, you're almost on your third version of an 80 page book. This is not a, a simple brochure with here's, here's a couple lenders. Here's a title company. Here's the, you know, here's a, a you know, contractor. This is a, a detailed guide and fun. And obviously uh, your clients love it. And we print hard copies. They're spiral bound that are beautiful. I mean, the, the book is, it's gorgeous. So once people get the digital copy, they usually want a printed copy. And it's that kind of thing, the, the idea came about, we're trying to figure out, do we print a hard copy? What should the size be? Even down to the paper. Like, I don't know this year if we'll use coated paper because on coated paper, it's really hard to write. You have to have a certain type of marker. Um, but the idea came about for anyone that's a mom or a dad anyway, that had a kid in you know, grade school, you'd get the Every year at the beginning yeah. of the school year, you'd get the little spiral bound book with everyone's contact info. I don't know if they do that anymore. My daughter's old enough that. We'll wait till you come back. Let's see. I can see you. My signal's strong. There you are. Now you're back. So weird. No All problem. Right. Wait, are you there? Mm -hmm. I'm here. Yep, we're good. All right. <laughs> Can you see me? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Everything's good now. All right, cool. Um, but I wanted the equivalent of that. Like, I wanted to be the, the resource that was in the junk drawer, so to speak. Yeah. Drawer, uh, where, oh, I need X. And then you just pull it out and you pull it yeah. Versus doing a Google search on, okay, where's the, you know, what are the best contractors? And there's 500. And then you're oh, like, I don't need... Get me started on Mrs. Google. I, like, I am telling you, the, <laughs> and, and this could be, a, maybe we need to have another, like in a month or two. We'll have sure. I, I could spend a whole hour talking about search engine optimization and keyword searching and how it's impacted the real estate market in, in addition to lots of other markets and sure. how young agents can get too caught up or not caught up enough in that. But the idea of, I mean, I'm sure you just brought it up. You type, type in and you're looking for something and you don't get anything that's really relevant to the search. I do this all the time and I know the pitfalls of keyword searching because I've actually done organic search marketing for 15 years, 12, sure. 12 years. 
Um, that's what my, so my brother, my brother is my search engine optimization organic search guru. My sister-in-law is our marketing guru. So that's the family affair. And then my daughter and my daughter's best, one of her best friends are my two assistants. So we really are a family affair. Um, but going into Google, I, you can't rely on that anymore. Sure. Yeah, because you could pull up, and then there's all, there's organic search, but then there's ad, paid search. So then you get all the ads first. And how many times have you looked for something and what you're looking for, the, the first 15 things, or, and whoever goes past page one or two, the yeah, nobody. 20 yeah. things aren't even relevant. And so actually what I try to do once or twice a week is pretend that I'm looking to buy a house or sell a house in a different market. And I go on Google to see if I can find a real estate agent. That is something that every real estate agent should do at least once a week. It is yeah, the yeah, and see, and and you know, it and and this is really important too for for getting reviews. And you know, we we know that you know buyers and, and sellers are looking on Zillow and they're going to be looking up and so it's really really important or whether your reviews are on Google or Facebook or wherever is make sure since clients are looking uh, and are looking you up as well to make sure that you have you know some some information there that says you know what your clients think about you absolutely I mean that's that's ever so important but but also I mean that then begs the question but how important how much value should be placed on that. Right. And, and just, and this is just a greater picture of what's going on in the world right now um, is information is so readily available yes. and non-factual, non-vetted information that you know, there's no, you don't know if it's true or not true or accurate unless it's provided by a vetted source. Sure. So, I think it makes it that much more difficult for the consumer, for the buyer or seller to understand, you know, you really have to dig deep to get to, um, to find the criteria that you trust to make such an important decision. I guess that would well, be. I think you're right. And I, and obviously this is still a, a face-to-face business, although it's harder to do face-to-face currently right now, of course, but you could do it, you know, zoom. There's lots of options to use technology to, to still maintain that human connection. But, but back to your point, um, that is something the algorithms are algorithms are always going to struggle with is how do we, we can get information into people. That's easy. The data is there. It's all there, but how do we interpret the data? Is it reliable data? What do we do with the data? And how, and is there somebody that's going to guide my hand through the entirety of, of the process? And like, you know, you, I, I asked a very subjective question based on your experience prior to us starting about a property I want to buy. And I said, I need to know if I'm crazy here. Google is not going to tell me that. Um, and I might be able to read some people's blogs about, I was asking Deborah a question about uh, cabinetry. And I said, what, you know, and I asked her and she, she gave me her opinion. Thankfully it was the same opinion I had. So I, I got validation that I'm not totally crazy. Well, luckily but, I didn't know your opinion. You asked the question without telling me your opinion. That's first. true. Got an, a, a true, transparent, unvarnished. Well, you wanted to hear. 
And to, and to tell on myself, it actually wasn't my opinion. It was actually my girlfriend's opinion who was looking and she goes, you, you can't get these cabinets. This is not going to work. And so, and I said, oh, I, I think we'll make it work because I'm one of those, we'll just make it work kind of people. And she says, no, this is going to, and, I, and so I asked Deborah a question about it and got her opinion. And um, so really it's, it's my girlfriend that deserves the credit, but, but anyway, yeah, she, and she's getting her license right now. So it's funny, funny enough. Um, yeah, yeah. have to work for our properties? Well, yeah, maybe she'll, maybe she'll join the Dobbs group, um, but, but, um, but yeah. Did you tell her about Wacky Girl Margaritas? No. Why don't you, do you want to talk about that? Yeah. So we do, so for our client gifts, for example, we put our own gift baskets together. Um, I love to cook. I love to entertain. Don't have so many options or opportunities to do that right now. As you know, I made gelato for years. Um, yeah. uh, we make homemade jardinera. So I have a, when I say we, my brother and sister-in-law come over from the Czech Republic. That's where they live now, my sister-in-law's Czech. And uh, so we spend a couple of months together. They stay with me and we do, a, we are in the kitchen. I'm at my desk yeah. or we're all in the kitchen. And, but I have a major passion for tequila. Tequila and bubbly. Those are my two drinks of choice. And, <laughs> and margaritas, but good margaritas not crappy margaritas yeah and uh, so i make my own margarita yeah we lost yeah oh and then you have your limoncello um so your girlfriend could join us and have all sorts of fun we do our work we bottle some margaritas we bottle i love it limoncello jardinera well, I love it. And, and I think this is a great place to wrap up. So I think we covered a lot, you know, really in this conversation, which, 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 which is all about customer care. And, you know, it's funny, I, I had an experience once, um, not too far from where, from where you are or where I am, we're actually really close to one another geographically, where I went to a storage, uh, I had to rent a storage unit, and it was the one on Clybourne and whatever, like right oh. at Armitage. Oh. Yeah, that self- or Clybourne? There's two. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Clive Elston. I'm sorry. Elston. Elston. Oh yeah. I've, I have rented there as well. Yeah. And, and I walked out of there and, um, you know, it was a, it was $35 a month. This was not a big purchase. I am not a big customer to them. I'm sure I'm one of, you know, hundreds of whatever, no big deal. They made me feel so special that I was, you would have thought I was coming in to buy the entire property, the, the entire business and give everyone a huge bonus. And, you know, and, and <laughs> I couldn't believe how, how, how well they treated me. And I came back and I wrote uh, in, uh, a review for them on Google. Cause I said, you know, God, that was really special that, you know, this dumb little thing that I have to rent for no big deal. You know, I, I didn't even know that I had to talk to anybody, but when I went there, they were treating me so well. And, and I realized good customer service is not really, it's not something that the average person experiences on a regular basis. Um, and, you know, when you do, you really feel connected to that place and you want to help them succeed. So, uh, so they emailed me the next day and said, could you please write us a review? I said, I already did, but is there, you want me to write another review somewhere else? Is there another place? I was so indebted to them because of this, you know, how they made me feel for this dumb little purchase um, that, you know, and I realized, wow, you know, most businesses really miss the boat when it comes to consumer experience. You obviously don't. Um, you're, you're on the same side as, as them and, um, and going yeah. above and beyond is it. Yeah. Yeah. As the, the, I think the benchmark for this came about through, from what about Nordstrom. For anyone who shopped at Nordstrom, um, whether you buy a $3,000 Fendi handbag 
yeah. or a $5, probably now 10 or whatever dollar pair of socks. Yeah. The, it's called the cash wrap. That's where you check out. So your merchandise goes into a beautiful silver bag with mm -hmm. paper and the clerk comes around, you know, comes from around the cash, the cash register around the cash wrap station and hands you your bag. Again, it's a $10 pair of socks or a $3,000 or $5,000 handbag and it doesn't make a difference. They are known and part of the reason that Nordstrom is, I think, still in business when a lot of retailers are not doing so well is it was always, always about incredible customer service and and Ritz Carlton is known for this as well. And it's not sure. obsequious customer service. It's not, okay, well, we're staying at a 10-star resort that charges $5,000 a night for a room. Of course we expect that. When you buy a $10 pair of socks, you don't necessarily- You don't expect that, yeah. But it's the yeah. Wonderful. Well, do the things the clients don't expect, I guess, is, is, the, is the key. Um, go above and beyond. And obviously you do that and continue to do that. So what I want to do is, um, well, as we're wrapping up, I want to uh, make sure that anyone who's listening, who is thinking maybe you're a buyer, a seller, a renter, an investor, who is looking to work with a top, top real estate agent, 37 years of experience, great team, incredible uh, work ethic, and customer service, um, and wants to work with Deborah, yourself, or anyone on your team, what's the best way they should reach out to you? They can call me at 312-307-4909. That's my cell phone, and I answer that if, unless I'm on a showing or I didn't answer the phone while I was on this um, you know, yeah. little endeavor, um, or email at Deborah at DebraDobbs.com. But picking up the phone and calling me is fine, or texting me to that phone number is fine, too. Sure. And also, please do visit our website. It's a great example of a really thought out and, um, and helpful website. And it's clean. It's minimal. It, it's, it's really got a lot of, of nice features that I think other agents could use as a model for maybe if they're thinking about building a new website for themselves, which is DebraDobbs.com, D-E-B-R-A-D-O-B-B-S.com. And before we wrap up, I want to remind all of our listeners and our viewers to do two quick things that help our show continue to thrive, which is, well, number one, tell a friend. Think of one other real estate professional that could benefit from having heard this interview with Deborah and send them a link to it. You can find us on our website, which is keepingitrealpod.com. Every single episode we've ever done is there. You can stream it right there. Or of course, pull up any podcast app, search for Keeping It Real. It shows right up. Um, and the second thing is to follow us on Facebook. Every single day, we find an article written online specifically designed to help agents grow their business. And we post it. And we also post uh, our videos that we do there for all of our interviews, as long with, along with all of our links. So find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash keeping it real pod. And Deborah, on behalf of the audience, thank you so much for uh, spending time with us today. This was so much fun. I'm so glad to have, have got you on the show. And also on behalf of Deborah and myself, we want to thank the listeners for continuing to listen and support our show. Um, Deborah, thanks again. This was really a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. It was so fun. I was definitely nervous beforehand, but you were terrific. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Well, we will see everyone on the next episode. All right. Thanks. All right. Bye.